0: network
1: broadcasting from the studios of ave maria radio in ann arbor michigan al cresta is ready for conversations of consequence this is cresta in the afternoon
2: and good afternoon, I'm Al Cresta, back for another hour, talking about the things that matter most. In this hour, we're going to hear a wonderful story of a man of notable public achievement, uh, really of many awards, of great uh, trust and public acclaim, who realizes in time, as he's living, trying to live out a Christian life, realizes in time that the Catholic Church well what it teaches is true and how he makes his way back to the church into which he had been baptized as an infant. Chuck Gatica will be my guest. He's been in the TV business for more than 40 years, uh, telling stories of Detroiters. Uh, he's now sharing his own story, his road to the Catholic faith. So stay with me. We're going to take time, look over you know, his career in broadcasting, and also he served in a pastoral capacity in a, uh, a well known uh, Detroit area church. And then why the Catholic faith? So stay with me. We've got a lot to talk about. First, though, let's get to the headlines.
3: Thanks, Al, and good afternoon, everyone. This is your Ave Maria radio news for Wednesday, March 1st. It's the Feast of St. David of Wales. And today's news is brought to you by the Ave Maria Family of Funds at AveMariaFunds.com. Daniel Ortega's regime has prohibited holding stations of the cross in the streets of Nicaragua this Lent. This comes as Ortega has claimed to the church is a mafia organization. Officials arrived at Ash Wednesday Masses last week to inform the faithful of the new rule, claiming it is for security reasons. The regime has cracked down on the church in the last several months, often citing security reasons and bringing charges against priests and bishops. Pope Francis is praying for the victims of a train crash in northern Greece. 36 people were killed and more than 75 were injured when two trains collided about 200 miles north of Athens yesterday. The cause of the crash is unknown. A local stationmaster has been arrested, and two others are being questioned. Americans are out a record-breaking $8.8 billion thanks to scams last year. New data from the FTC shows reported fraud losses increased more than 30% in 2022 from the previous year, despite the number of fraud reports decreasing. A new bill to ban TikTok has passed through a key House committee. The legislation has moved through the Republican control panel along party lines with no Democratic votes. This comes as the social media company is rolling really out new features to help limit the amount of time kids spend on the app. And a megachurch in Texas is following a recent trend and leaving the United Methodist Church. In a statement by the St. Andrew Methodist Church in Plano, the congregation voted by a wide margin to leave the UMC. Data from the UMC website shows that more than 2,000 congregations have disaffiliated from the church since the General Conference upheld the church's ban on LGBTQ clergy and same-sex marriages. Conservative congregations that approved the ban have reportedly been leaving because of less conservative congregations that are ignoring the ban. With your AveMariaRadio.net news, this is Bryant Shanley.
2: I'm Al Cresta. Over the last generation, Chuck Gatica became one of Southeast Michigan's most trusted and beloved news figures. Most of his 40-plus years in media was spent with the NBC affiliate, WDIV Channel 4, in Detroit, where he worked as an anchor and as meteorologist. Chuck won multiple Emmys, was awarded the prestigious Silver Circle Award for Broadcast Excellence by the National Academy of Television Arts and Sciences. He's also a Mayo Clinic-trained wellness coach and holds a certificate in second-half significance from Pepperdine University and the Halftime Institute. Recently, he's begun hosting the Journey Strong Features, on Ave Maria Radio. Throughout his years of achievement, though, Chuck had a growing interest in the Christian faith, which eventually led him into pastoral ministry, and in time he returned to the Catholic faith, into which he had been baptized as an infant. Chuck, it's great to have you here finally.
4: Oh, it's good to be on with you. Thank you, Al.
2: Let's talk a little bit about your background, your spiritual upbringing. You were baptized as a Catholic, as an infant, is that right?
4: Yeah, I was. I grew up in Chicago, uh, right in the city, northwest side. And uh, it was my mom's side of the family, uh, that lifelong Catholics. And uh, my dad had converted to Catholicism. Actually, he did it. He started the process, maybe completed it up in Canada. And that was with the intent of marrying my mom. And uh, they came back to, uh, they traveled the country back in the 50s, just before I was born. And um, then they got married in Chicago. So from that point forward, I was baptized uh, into the Catholic Church. I was in the church. I'm, I've always gone back to try to figure it out. Maybe through about age ten or twelve, somewhere in there.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, do you remember much about that experience as a you know before adolescence as a Catholic?
4: Yeah, I remember, so for me it was really an interesting time, as it was for a lot of people. So I would have been in, you know, in the 60s, and this would have been for me a time of being very young. Uh, My brother has, I have a brother and sister, he has different recollections of, you know, sitting in a pew and my mom squeezing his knee saying, shh, be quiet. (laughs) And and then he asked me, he said, do you have those recollections? I said, no, I think I was quiet. I, I don't know. So, uh uh, you know, I I remember the the word devout has always stuck in my mind, and it applied to my mom's side of the family. They were a family of eight siblings, uh, so I had lots of aunts and uncles and lots of cousins. And what I would call growing up in the '60s into the early '70s, you know, when I was connected, everybody a traditional, big, huge Catholic family. And that that familiar connection, that connection at Christmas and, and Easter, those were the recollections that I had that were connected directly to faith, which I cherished. now. Yeah,
2: those are positive, positive memories.
4: Yeah.
2: Uh, when, um, when did you begin drifting away from the Catholic Church?
4: Well, to be fair, my dad probably was not a routine attender most of his life, so he never got involved, and there was something I found out later in life that I think had kept him away, so... We can come back to this, but it was later in his life, really in the last days. We didn't know it was on his deathbed, but that's what it turned out to be, sadly, that he wanted to make sure he was buried in a Catholic cemetery. And we had long discussions about faith and Jesus and forgiveness. And um I I probably drifted. Because of uh, you know the lukewarm nature of dad wasn't going, mom was taking us yeah. the best she can, and she was involved almost to the end of her life as she had Alzheimer's sadly. And so uh, up until then she was very active. After they had moved to Michigan uh, in parishes around Warren, and so for me the only thing that I can point to, and it wasn't something dastardly, but it was something that affected me and I my family directly. I remember being in a parish. And there were announcements being made. And I can't tell you who was making them, but I really don't think it was a priest. And it was back in the day where my neighborhood in Chicago, which was very much, it looked like Hamtramck, right? Little frame buildings, 25-wide right. foot frame lot, uh, wide lots, very small, and uh, no basement, you know. And, and so uh, everybody was kind of in that neighborhood, had just gotten off the boat somehow. You know, we were Czech and German. My neighbors were german or or irish and my neighborhood was shifting to a hispanic nature and i remember somebody making announcements now remember i'm like 10 to 12 somewhere in that range and they said we would urge you this isn't a parish to not uh patronize a local real estate company because they're they're selling homes to undesirable. And I looked at my mom, and my dad was a real estate broker, and I said, is he talking about where dad works? And this wasn't a direct affront to my family, but it was um, a very personal thing. Obviously, it kind of struck me. It's interesting. I look back, it struck me from a social justice perspective that it was absolutely wrong, and I sensed that as a kid. And then I thought, this was before the day of all the national franchises of real estate, so my dad was really working in an office with 3 to 5 people the only real estate place you know you could you couldn't throw a baseball and hit another one across the street <laughs> so uh it was a very strange comment obviously it was
0: uh it, it
4: was out of sync with what should have been said and it just kind of affected me and i thought eh, i don't know and so my mom continued to attend and i drifted and there was no impetus there may have been a pause i can't really tell you that a pause in our faith journey as a family where my mom maybe fell away a bit, but then that sure was reinvigorated as life went on. So I don't know how big of a pause or how long it was, but Mm -hmm. that's sort of what happened at that moment for me.
2: Okay. And then uh, when did you begin to think that broadcasting, uh, television, reporting, journalism, when did that start to figure into your imagination?
4: Well, I w- so here's what's interesting now you fast forward from about this age and there was a profound thing that had happened at age 10 my favorite uncle who lived upstairs passed away and mm. uh, he was only 39 had a had a cerebral hemorrhage one day and it really broke up my dad and it may have been the beginning of his lifelong battle with depression and other things and um and so you fast forward and it really was as if God had picked me up by a collar and my collar because I, I I, I had the grades to go to Loyola University in Chicago. I started in pre-med, pre-dental, and, uh, and then I was just kind of bitten by this broadcasting bug after the fact, so I dropped out in my first half of my first semester. This did not go over well with Mom and Dad.
2: Medical school wasn't not, going to be in your future.
4: No, no, nothing against doctors, and I look back now and <laughs> I really think that I would have loved doing it. You know, I just uh, have a heart to serve, but uh, yeah, it wasn't, but I was strong in science and math. I attended a large high school in Chicago, a, You know, not a Catholic high school, but it was 6,000 students. It was kind of college prep and technical, and I majored in science and math in high school, so I had to sit down, uh, and I went to work at Walgreens a part-time just to make some money after I had left school to figure out life. Mm-hmm. And I had a manager, Al, and he uh, he pulled me in the back room. I thought I was in trouble. I thought I'm being fired. <laughs> I'd only been, been there a little while. And he sat me down. He said, pull up a milk crate. And it was sort of like something a priest would do, you know, to impart wisdom or a yeah. Boy Scout, you know, leader. And I sat down and he looked at me and he said, what do you, what do you want to do? And I said, I'm not sure yet, but I'm starting to get a feeling for what it's going to be. And he said, well, I think you would do really well here as a manager at Walgreens. Uh, but you're looking at a manager at Walgreens, and this is as far as it goes, and I see more in you. So I urge you, whatever you're working on, just keep working on it. And he, he said, that's it. Wow. I said, wow. you know, I'm not fired. <laughs> wow. But it was a very impactful time because he didn't know it. I had already gone to downtown Chicago and visited the CBS-owned station there, WBBM. I was bitten by the bug, and I thought I had to think deeply, as much as you can as an 18-, 19-year-old. And I thought, well, what can I do to take science and math, journalism, which I loved. I was editor of my school newspaper in elementary school. And uh, and how do I combine those interests and, and, you know, be a storyteller? And I thought, ah, TV meteorology. Uh-huh. Aha! <laughs> and then life really accelerated. And uh, I was out of college and got my first job uh, right away in TV news Monday through Friday. I was working the main shift. Met my wife, Susan. This was in Evansville, Indiana. And uh, the early part of my career was very fast. I moved from Evansville to Cape Girardeau, Missouri, to, uh, and only was there three and a half months before some headhunter found me, and we moved to Little Rock, Arkansas, and uh, loved it, actually loved living in Cape Girardeau, too. It was just a fast move. We lived in the Little Rock a year and a half. Home of and, uh, Rush Limbaugh. Home of Rush Limbaugh, right? Yeah. Nobody knew that. That was not a thing at the time, right? Right. Um, so it was a great little college town. So we moved to Little Rock. I'm in between the governorships of Bill Clinton. We're on the Arkansas River. You know, they, it's a s- small uh, two-station outfit owned by this eccentric millionaire guy. And I thought, man, this is really nice. And, and I got connected uh, through Cleveland, Ohio, to Detroit. And mm-hmm. they called me one day and they said, uh, we're moving all of our s- staff to Detroit. And the first guy we're going to fire is this guy named Sonny Elliott.
2: Oh, I remember. And, yeah, I remember Sonny. Yeah,
4: and, and I was I was not from Detroit, so anybody who may be listening who's not from Detroit, he was this iconic, kind of a joke a minute, a different style and age of weather guy, you know, kind right. of harkening back to an old day, an old st- style. And they just want to change, and uh, they said, don't go anywhere. You're coming to Detroit. And I said, no, I think I'm I'm going to Chicago. It's home. My parents are there. and well it turned out I came to Detroit and the rest is history. That part of the career I did start at a different station, but that was 5 years and then the 27 full time at the NBC station. So it was a, a joyful uh very wonderful career.
0: Yeah,
2: and you and I I've, I've said this to you before. and knew you, and you, I'm sure you know this. But you're you were one of those figures uh in media that had Virtually universal affection. People loved you. Uh, Oh,
4: you're you're kind. Yeah, no, it's you know
2: some people are controversial. Uh, I think you know Bill Bonds over at uh, the ABC affiliate, and you know around for a long time, but he provoked uh, strong feelings. Uh, Mm -hmm. You provoked strong feelings too, but they were always those of trust. Did you were you aware of that that you that people somehow just trusted you?
4: I I came to find it out more as time went by because, you know, the station kept renewing my contract, so I knew something was going right. (laughs) And and then I did my own research as I left the station and found out that my trust factor was high. But uh, up until then, I didn't work at that on purpose. What I worked on on purpose was being connected to people because, uh, you know, Uh, i I just love being around people so whether it was dancing a polka with a grandma on a live shot or you know i had to tell people tornadoes were coming and i was on the air maybe four hours solid and i've got to talk to latchkey kids at home who don't have parents and i had five kids so i knew i was talking to audiences that i had to affect and to be fair al uh, so much has changed in media. We've talked about this before, but uh, you know, I came up in the television and radio business. To be fair, because I did both almost simultaneously most of my career in Detroit. But uh, I came up at a time where people really watched. Yeah, and the TV set was was an intimate, integral part of your family room, your living room, your kitchen, your bedroom at night to watch Johnny Carson, whatever it was, sure. and the TV shows. It was a big night of Thursday night viewing. There was Cheers and Mash and Cosby Show and well, go pick one. So people were tuning in, and I came up in a time where I had kind of bridged being in a business where you had the giants like a Cronkite, but there were still giants, and being involved in a local market yes. as strong. Uh, and wonderful as Detroit, it was just a great career. And I think that connection, if, if you were able to, somebody once told me it was a consultant, if you could look at a TV talent, that's what they call us, and if, uh, in my case maybe there's an asterisk after the talent,
0: but if you,
4: <laughs> if, if you could reach through the TV and think that you're speaking to one person and then those people feel like you're only speaking to them, not just to some broad audience, that's what you're after. Yeah. And I think that's what I worked at, was making my messaging personal. And right. I hope that that's how people felt, because I really enjoyed that.
0: Yeah, I'm sure.
2: I'm sure that's true. Chuck, hold it there. I've got to take a break. We'll come back and continue okay. conversation. My guest is Chuck Gattica, uh again, uh, serving uh, the greater Detroit area at uh, the NBC affiliate Channel 4 there for many, many, many years. Uh, recently, he's uh, returned to the Catholic Church. We're going to talk about that as we go along. But also, want to get... Uh, You know, learned some high points uh, in his career uh, as a meteorologist and as a broadcaster. I'm Al Cresta. We'll be right back.
3: The Bench Pub in Livonia is a proud supporter of Ave Maria Radio, where all are welcome and treated like family. During this Lenten season, we are bringing back our delicious beer battered cod, golden fries, and served with our house made coleslaw. The Bench Pub is located on Five Mile West of Farmington Road in Livonia. Mention Ave Maria Radio and receive a 10% discount. Meet friends this Lent at the Bench Pub in Livonia and enjoy their Lenten Friday fish fry. Underwritten in part by the following nonprofit
5: Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything? even things you don't believe in, there are options. You can join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based health-sharing community. Plus, Solidarity HealthShare can save you money with prices starting as low as $384 a month for families.
6: Call to see how much you can save. 844-398-9399. That's
7: 844-398-9399.
6: It's time for Family Man with Dr. Gregory Popcich. St. John Bosco taught his followers that it wasn't enough to stop their students' bad behavior. Good discipline teaches children to want to make choices that please the Lord. If your child is behaving badly, chances are they either don't know how to meet a particular need appropriately, or they don't know how to apply the lessons you've taught them to a new challenging situation. To practice good discipleship discipline, take a moment to find out what your child was trying to do by acting that way. Then teach them healthier, godlier ways to meet that need. Taking this approach will help your kids know that they can count on you to help them be their best when they're feeling and acting their worst. To discover more ways your family can celebrate the liturgy of domestic church life, check out the newest editions of Parenting with Grace and visit CatholicCounselors.com. I'm Dr. Greg Popchak, but you can call me Family Man.
1: Discover more ways faith can enrich your life. Visit CatholicCounselors.com.
5: There are many Bible quotes that I just love. Psalms always seems to calm me down. I tend to be a stressed person. And as parents, we pass on our habits to our kids, the good and the bad. One of my favorites is Psalms 4610. Be still and know that I am God. When things get chaotic in my life, and they do, I need to remind myself to meditate on that phrase and repeat that God is in control. And boy, am I grateful. There's no way I can live this life without him. And because kids are the greatest imitators, they can pick up on this practice as well. I hope my daughter does. We live in a busy world, and sometimes we must be still in our body and mind and pray that God calms our soul and fills our heart with his love. It is by calming our mind that we find clarity. It is in the silence we hear God's voice. So when a noise overwhelms you, as it often does me, be still and know that he is God. This has been a christ center Communication Message. I'm Vanessa Denha a communications
2: evangelist. Are you woke or are you awake? Renewal Ministries and Ave Maria Radio invite you to spend an evening with Noelle Mehring for her presentation, Awake, Not Woke. Noelle will look at the pseudo-religious as well as the political character of the woke movement. It's Tuesday, March 7th from 7 to nine thirty p.m. at Father Gabriel Richard High School in Ann Arbor. You can register for free in the slider at AveMariaRadio.net. Again, that's at AveMariaRadio.net.
7: You are invited as Bishop Earl Boyer presides over the 25th Annual Rose Mass for Health Care Workers, Saturday, March 18th at 4.30 at Christ the King in Ann Arbor. Afterwards, there'll be a dinner and discussion on the relationship between Catholic medicine, the media, and the impact on patients. Featuring Ave Maria Radio's Al Cresta and Father Peter Ryan. This takes place at Fox Hills Country Club near Plymouth. Go to cmalansing at gmail.com to purchase tickets. That's cmalansing at (laughs) gmail.com.
2: Good afternoon, I'm Al Cresta. With me is uh, legendary Detroit broadcaster, Chuck Gatica. Chuck, what were some of the high points in your career, things that you remembered as important? I know you won multiple Mm. Emmys, you know, and your colleagues had high regard for you. What do you remember as high points?
4: Uh, Coming to Detroit would be a high point. Um, The big move to Channel 4, it's not a usual thing that uh, in our business that you move across the street as we call it you know yeah. you go to another tv station normally yeah. to get a promotion you sort of move to a bigger different market Different market and, yeah. Uh, yeah yeah like you know i was still thinking it uh, even before i moved it from channel two to channel four in detroit i thought oh i'm i'm still going home to chicago yeah. by this time i yeah. had done a couple of years at the cbs network in the morning substituting doing the weather and i thought yes uh, and I, I did go interview and got as close at one point as looking at homes in Chicago. And uh, God had a plan, and it was Channel 4. And so that was a high point, was coming to WDIV, But, you know, I guess um, it was a great, a great career filled with adventure. And those adventures came my way not because I was special, but somehow either by default I was part of the media or they knew I was crazy enough to go do something crazy. (laughs) Uh, So I got a chance to fly with the U.S. Navy Blue Angels, which was fantastic. Uh, That's a a once-in-a-lifetime, and I know it's once-in-a-lifetime because I tried to get on again when they called for another air show like two years later, and they said, no, you can't go. Your name is on the list. I said, oh, the list? What's that mean? And they said, well, you know, the Thunderbirds with the Air Force and the U.S. Navy, You can't ever, ever fly with them because you've done it once in your lifetime. That's it. Oh, (laughs) so I did that. I was able to uh, chase tornadoes. I flew through the eye of a hurricane with the NOAA Hurricane Hunters. That was an adventure. And then, uh, out of the blue, I got connected somehow to Dr. Bob Ballard, the guy who discovered the Titanic. Yeah, sure. Program with kids, and uh, they called and said, "We're sending a kid to uh, Hawaii, and we're going to study at the." uh, Uh, The first one, I'm sorry, was the Amazon Rainforest. We're going to send a a kid from Detroit to Peru to the Amazon Rainforest. Would you like to go on a 10-day expedition with Dr. Ballard? I'm like, what? (laughs) So I did that for 10 days and lived right on the Tsukasari River, which is a tributary of the Amazon. And then two years later, I missed the Galapagos Islands, sadly. That was the year I missed. And then the next time, it was Hawaii. And Al, I was standing on the top of Mount Kilauea where you're not allowed to go where lava hot lava was coming up through little cracks, nothing apparently dangerous, you know. (laughs) And I, I was just allowed to be in places that and do things that you just couldn't do and it was only because i had access. i was in the media and they sure. of course were looking for me to talk about it but it was just these extraordinary times and experiences that yeah. have to be included in highlights
2: so during those years where were you at spiritually
4: we, my wife was born and raised methodist and you met susan and yep. um you know, we we married right away. We moved to Detroit. We were very young. I was I got to Detroit when I was like twenty three and a half. So, I mean, I I've grown up there, and I hope anybody that you know thinks the same of me. Like we grew up together, it's probably true. You
0: know? <laughs> right.
4: and, uh, and so uh, we started attending Methodist churches. At the beginning, this is not a joke. We were driving through Franklin, and we didn't live in Franklin. Couldn't afford to live in Franklin, and uh, we're driving through, and there was a white a framed church with a white picket fence. Maybe you've seen it. It's called Franklin Community Church. And looked at me, and this often happens when you, when you have couples. I was not active in my Catholic faith. I talked, you know, about that, that I had kind of left when I was 10 or 12. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, that's a beautiful church. What a what a beautiful setting. You know, I was Methodist. You're Catholic, but that's says community church. It was sort of like 50-50, you know. Let's divide it by two, and we'll go. There. <laughs> right, well, we walked right. in and had Methodist... Hymnals. It was a Methodist church. We didn't know it. So we attended there for a while, then wound up in, in Detroit. Once I moved to the east side with our family, we attended a big cathedral Methodist church in downtown Detroit. Is that uh, in the uh, Metropolitan? Sure metro, was, Bill I was going to say, yeah. was Bill Quick the pastor there? He sure was. Yeah, oh, and He heavens. was our pastor for 12 years, and we did that purposefully. We had attended for a while in Gross Point. But we really wanted our kids and us exposed to what appeared to us to be of many United Nations. I'm, I mean, I'm yeah, yeah. I'm, I know we're we're all not going to be surprised that heaven is filled with uh, you know people that were of uh, all kinds of colors and races, and that's what Metropolitan was for us. Yep. and it was a joy. And then we moved back to the West Side, and we were still at Methodist Church, and and kind of uh, going through year long Bible studies a couple of years uh, of it for Susan and I, and then we wound up at a non denominational. Uh, large church, which eventually, uh, once I uh, went back for my master's, I was 50, for my master's in ministry and leadership, I was already feeling like I was being led to do something. And I wound up on staff at that church when I retired from full-time TV news, a little sooner than most people retire or, or the TV station would have liked, I guess. But uh, <laughs> I, I did feel there was a, a calling there.
2: Yeah. So uh, how many years were you involved in pastoral ministry?
4: So I was on staff at that church, and I say on staff, it was big, so it was a, you know, a number of, uh, named pastors. That's uh, not that type of situation has elders, and then they can name you a pastor, you don't really get ordained per se. There's right. no hierarchy in that sense. Mm-hmm. And I was there for about two years, and uh, one of fifteen different pastors. And then, uh, left there, We wandered for a little while, and I think, to be fair, my journey was already starting when I was on staff at that church when it comes to having lived in the Holy Land for a month as part of my master's and studying, and I started asking significant questions about tradition and reason. and things that I had learned about John Wesley, because, you know, Wesley isn't, isn't that much removed from Catholicism.
2: Right. There's a wonderful uh, letter that he has to a Catholic priest.
4: Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 And and this notion that we're informed by and it's much more than sola scriptura right? and, uh, and a lot of that. Right. So I started asking questions and I even had a response once uh, from a lead pastor there that uh, at this big, non-denominational church, and he said, are you becoming Catholic? And I said, well, I don't think so. I mean, I'm not sure of it. <laughs> and uh, and so uh, after that, I did wind up, uh, we wound up at a Nazarene church, which is, again, close to, it's got Wesleyan roots.
0: Right, right.
4: Uh, and the holiness movement. But this was not a, a holy roller church. It was just, a. it is a delightful place. And I've been informed along the way. I mean, I, I have to say, for all my brothers and sisters in Protestantism, and even to this moment, my wife, I mean, there's so much, we learned and gained and I was yeah. excited about for Jesus and the yeah. kingdom.
2: Me too. And, yeah.
4: Uh, yeah, I know. And, and so then I wound up on staff there. I said, I'll get you a season. I became an executive director, which is like an executive pastor, but I couldn't be called that because I wasn't a lifelong Nazarene and didn't have a Nazarene degree, even mm-hmm. though I had a master's. And then we still attended there for a while, and then this journey you know, I was trying to think even during the breakout, you and I met prior to COVID in your lunchroom there at Ave Maria. Yeah. This journey of mine back to the church has taken a minute, but, you know, I'm a slow learner, so <laughs> didn't get a master's until I was 54. So, you know, somebody's got to cut me slack. Thank you, God. <laughs> and, um, and so it's just one of those things. And, you know, so that's been the journey. And then in recent time, my, my desires and my being led back to the Catholic faith has been, uh, I guess the drumbeat just got more intense and more intense all the time.
2: Did you? Was your attraction to the church uh, through the doors of truth or beauty mm-hmm. or goodness? What, what was? I, I, I use I asked that question because I found myself attracted to the Catholic
4: Church um, mm-hmm.
2: before I was fully convinced.
4: <laughs> that, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. That's interesting, because I think I was more maybe I waited longer to be convinced, and that's part of you know you and I even meeting several years ago. I was waiting to be convinced in a way, and i think um i think i I think I came in through all those doors, and your show helped me i mean Catholic radio ave Maria radio there is no question, honest to goodness. There's not a paid commercial, or as my grandson calls them, carmacials, because he sees cars for sale all the time. But, you know, this Catholic radio and your your deep dives and Teresa's show and Vanessa's show, I mean, and the national shows, Catholic Answers, so important in this journey of me bathing in so much knowledge, some of it winsome and some of it very deep. But I would say beauty. Yeah. Um, truth for sure capital t truth and then for me i had thought at the big big churches that and i had gotten connected to them because i was blessed to. this would be a highlight in my life as well as my faith journey helping to lead and put on a prayer walk in detroit which sadly did not include much catholic outreach so there Mm -hmm. weren't many catholics i don't think um but i and that wasn't my fault but that's another story and i think that uh for me Uh, part of this has to include the fact that there there was not just the beauty and the truth. There was also this notion that I came to an epiphany moment where I thought I had seen it all figured out. Big box church, fog machines, laser lights, they're getting a lot of kids to come. And then part of it could be age, but I don't think so. I don't think I'm as old as I am. I don't Mm -hmm. know who does, but I don't. (laughs) And I started to think... Being quiet and going to the Holy Land and being in reverence to beauty. And there is something special and magical about a cathedral. I know when we look up, we're not just, God isn't just up there. And I know incense rises, and he's not just up where I'm looking at the ceiling of a beautiful cathedral in Rome or the Holy Land. But yet I was being led to quiet, peaceful uh, time. And I think that for me that was a reaction to being involved in the raucous of, well, we got to do certain things a certain way, and we're going to save people now with a special prayer. And I, yeah. and I just thought, ah, oh, it wasn't a rebellion. It was just a an idea that I then started digging deeper into the history of church and even... You know, the, the saying the sinner's prayer. When did that start? Oh, the 1700s. So it's not as old as everybody thinks it is. So, you know, I mean, it was right. just stuff like that, that. And I'm kind of an armchair theologian, you know, although my arm slips off the chair a lot. So you know, I, you know, I, I continued to study and study, you know.
0: You
2: know, that's... That, that's very interesting. I have something similar in my background, too. I was pastoring an independent evangelical church, and we had a very powerful music ministry, and um, my wife tells me we had a pretty good teacher there. Um, mm-hmm. But it, after a while, you begin say, asking yourself, "What do I what novelty?" do I mm-hmm. have to bring in order to keep people's attention? And um, and after a while, I began to say, that something's wrong with that. Uh, you always want to, of course, arrest people's attention, but if you're always thinking that you can't, um, that somehow you have to do something more than the mm-hmm. scriptures, or in our case, the liturgy. So the liturgy was a welcome uh, relief uh, for me because there i was worshiping uh... the way that right. christians had worshiped uh... since the beginning and priests weren't asking each week what can i what can i do to sharpen this thing up uh... to appeal to the next generation so i i think that um, i i think i understand a little bit about the dissatisfaction mm-hmm. of the you know kind of the megachurch experience Chuck, hold it there. I want to come back and also talk about what you're doing with Journey Strong and uh, the wellness work that you're doing. So we'll get to that in a minute. Chuck Gadek my guest, I'm Al Cresto.
6: Today's programming on 990 WDEO is brought to you in part by a gift from our day sponsor, the Lansing Guild of the Catholic Medical Association. The annual Rose Mass for Catholic healthcare workers will be Saturday, March 18th at Christ the King Church in Ann Arbor, followed by a dinner at Fox Hills Country Club in Plymouth. Email cmalansing at gmail.com for dinner tickets. That's cmalansing at gmail.com.
0: Welcome to Advanced Dentistry Center family. This is Dr.
3: Metti, and our team strives to treat you like family in a loving and compassionate way as
2: we focus on serving you in a Christ-like manner. We do this by emphasizing prevention and general well-being for a lifetime. Our private practice is small, personal, state-of-the-art, and innovative, with the goal to educate and motivate our patients in improving their oral health. It is through a partnership with you that you will achieve the goals for your smile. Advanced Dentistry is serious about the level of care we provide with attention to details and an exceptional level of care, skill, and judgment. We are thrilled for the opportunity to serve you.
7: Dr. Matthew and the team invite you to visit them at AdvancedDentistryCenter.com or call them at 248-594-9592. That's 248-594-9592. AdvancedDentistryCenter.com
6: This week on Christ is the Answer, it's the beginning of Lent, and Father John wants to help us prepare for Easter. Let's start out with a question. What are you doing to prepare for Lent? The church has so many faithful ways for us to traverse this season of fasting so that we can get the most out of prayer and penance. Join us this week as Father John wants to help us get the most out of Lent as well as how Jesus wants us to pray. Tune in for Christ is the Answer Monday through Fridays at 11 a.m. on Ave Maria Radio.
7: Food for the journey, Sister and Shield.
8: You know, we would avoid a lot of difficult arguments just spouting off at the mouth as we sometimes say. Just ask the Lord, give me the words to say. Maybe I'm rightfully angry, but if I just shout and yell and scream, what good is that going to be? Brothers and sisters, God can give us much more control over our anger, over our fear, over our language. And so whenever you're in a tight spot, just stop for a moment and say, Lord, what would you have me do here? God is good. I don't mean he's going to say words that will come down from heaven, but if you pause just for a moment, you'll get hold of yourself, and you may well get a thought that you didn't have before, and sometimes it's just quiet, but it's enough to bring down the steam, and then you think what is really right to say here. You might be justifiably angry, How do we respect the other person while we're correcting them? Please, brothers and sisters, let us open our hearts to God in those moments.
7: Sister Ann Shields gives you food for the journey, weekday mornings at 645 and again at 1130 on 990 Ave Maria Radio. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot?
2: Good afternoon, I'm Al Cresta. Continuing conversation with uh, Chuck Gatica, who served more than 40 years as a broadcaster in Detroit Media, mostly with the NBC affiliate, Channel 4, WDIV. You told me a story um, when we were uh, on the Good News Cruise together that uh, happened at St. Stephen Parish back in 2014, that that was an important moment in your return to the Catholic faith. Tell us that story.
4: Yeah, it sure was. Um, And it's a profound moment. And so this attraction back to the church, I think, was already ongoing. But I was invited after I retired from full-time TV news. Now, I I believe I was on staff at the, the big box church, the mega church. And so obviously I'm not back in the Catholic church. And I was asked to speak up at the parish in Port Huron, and I know some of the families that attend there, and so it was a delight to go, and I had been getting those requests to be fair out, you know, from various churches and parishes, and I was asked to preach or speak in black Baptist churches. Yeah. It was just a delight. It still is for me that I can do that. And so I went up there, and I spoke, and as I, everybody was leaving, uh, I'm kind of standing in the place where the priest may stand, you know, where people say, you know, nice job, Pastor. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so I'm standing there, and a lady walks up, and I'm shaking hands, saying hi to people, and uh, she walked up, and she looked at me, and she put her hand on my arm, and she said, you need to come back to the church. And she turned around and walked away. And I remember, as the next person was walking up, I reached my hand out uh, and grabbed it, but I still turned and watched her leave. And it wasn't like some weird, strange, ghost-like you know movement of a person, but I just kind of watched, like, I know what you mean. And I believe I said to her something like, well, I don't know if that's in the cards right now. I was being polite. I, sure. I, I wasn't trying to diminish her her comment. I also got emails from a woman who I've since connected with who doesn't believe she was that woman, but she (laughs) sent me a series of emails saying I needed to come back to the church. uh, So I have never invited myself ever to speak somewhere. I get asked to speak in places and I do and I can, but I've never invited myself and I asked if I could come back to St. Stephen's and I wanted to not only talk a little bit about my return to the Catholic Church, but also to thank them. Because like you and like Ave Maria and like good friends like Father John Ricardo and others, your fingerprints are on my journey. And their fingerprints were there because that was a nudge. It was a a, a nudge from God to come back. Mm -hmm. And so I did. I went up there and I I spoke and I I thanked them. This person was not in the audience. Nobody came up to me. I'm not sure where they came from you know others have said could it have been an angel which of course translated as messenger it could be yeah. But i know uh-huh. I, I, I can't assign right extraordinary value to that but in terms of it being a nudge um that's a profound moment and then there was another profound moment that i've spoken to you about that occurred before I really made the jump back into the church, and I mean this with great affection because I I left out in our discussion the liturgical life, the the source and summit of the faith, and the Eucharist. I mean, there are lots of reasons why, as I studied why this became important to me. But I had listened in the morning to Ave Maria Radio in my car, and uh, it was a national story of some scandal. I don't know exactly. It's been attributed that it was the Boston scandal, pre-scandal. It wasn't that directly but there was some scandal. And I, I was by myself, and I said out loud in my car, Al, how can I ever come back to this church? And instantly, not an audible voice, but the words in my head popped in my head, why not? The church never left you. <laughs> oh, that's, yeah. I had to pull my car over. I had to pull over yes. because it was so profound. Like, I, I just kind of pictured Jesus standing there in the church like, well, I've been waiting. I mean, I knew it going to happen. It's just you didn't know it was going to happen. <laughs> and... uh and so that was another very profound moment, along with the going back up to say thank you in Port Huron. It was just you know, yeah. the thing I thought I needed to do. It, it, it was that profound to me, of a nudge.
2: That's no, that's that's remarkable. I, you know, I I would love to know who that woman was too. <laughs> so if you ever find out, yeah. tell me. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. No, that's that's wonderful. <laughs> Tell me a little bit. You are a Mayo Clinic trained wellness coach, and uh, you've uh-huh. done the second half significance. You have a certificate there from Pepperdine and the halftime Institute. Tell me about that. I mean, you obviously are staying very active. You, you didn't uh, well, slow I, down yeah. in retirement.
4: No, and I don't. I don't get that word retirement. I think I'm just yeah. going to keep retiring until I get it right. So. Um... <laughs> Uh, For me, you know, you go all the way back to what I mentioned about starting pre-med at Loyola and having this strong interest in science and math. I've always had an interest in medicine, and I'm not scared by seeing my kids have fallen and bounced and broken, and, you know, I'm not afraid of seeing those things. And so I thought, well, okay, this is interesting. I'm a lifelong learner. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I went back. It was all online because of COVID, so we never got a chance to meet. We had members of this uh, Mayo Clinic cohort of mine. From all over the world, about fifty of us, and uh, you know, being being a wellness coach, it's an interesting title. It's not something, and I'm I'm sad about this, that most everybody hears about. It tends to imply like you've got to be a rich person to. What do you mean you're a coach? Like you, you're going to coach me about my wellness. I can just go to a doctor or something else. Mm-hmm. And I found this to be an interesting credential to get because to me, all it was very pastoral. Uh, coaching of any kind, life coaching. Uh, executive coaching, any kind of coaching. It's it's rooted in positive psychology. You're an encourager. Mm-hmm. In essence, the mission is that the answers are locked up in the person, and you're just there to sort of help extract them. You kind of help them find these pearls of wisdom. So I understood all of that, and I appreciate it because it was pastoral. You're kind of walking Either proverbially or physically next to somebody, like a spiritual direction in a way. You're the accompanying them. Yeah. You are. Yeah, And the piece that was missing is the spiritual part. I even asked this of, of the leaders of this part of Mayo Clinic, and at Mayo Clinic, it, you know, it's secular. The program is secular, and I know that. But I just said, well, there's a piece missing. It's like in our yeah. marriages. we got to have Jesus, yeah. at the cross between the two of us to hang on to it, because sometimes things get rough. Yeah. And uh Um, So anyway, I I thought, well, where can I combine now this notion of mind, body, and spirit? I I had been doing some pro bono coaching uh, with some men and uh, led a group of about six weeks of a study of finding purpose and passion in your second half of life, and that's part of my journey through Mm -hmm. the Halftime Institute. But I thought, you know, in this world we're coming through with COVID where there's so much anxiousness, And just in general, everybody's paying attention to something. Health and wellness register is extraordinarily high. Uh, I'm not seeing it a ton, to be honest, in parish life. I think there's opportunity there. Mm -hmm. But I just thought, well, I, I have to have Jesus in this. I can't hide the cross in my discussions with people, even if I have to ask them permission before I start to speak or coach. Do you mind if I pray or you know, I want to be respectful. That's what a coach would do. Sure. And so uh, for me, this was an interesting part of the journey of of wrapping things up where I was a lifelong learner. And I thought this, I, I was winding up holistically in a space increasingly that was centered or in the middle of health and wellness. Work with Blue Cross, videos on how to stay healthy, a Medicare uh, infomercial. It doesn't sound like it's there, but that's what it's about is to help help people stay healthy and be active in their, you know, advancing years. And so, um, all of these things wound up in this circle, and I just thought, well, there's something going on. It's just happening holistically, and now we have this great connection. With Ave Maria Radio, that we have these segments that will be airing yeah. uh, periodically, you know, through the weeks.
2: Yeah, nah, this, these Journey Strong segments, I love them. There's something that really does fill uh, uh, an absence that, that we've had here, uh, and I'm really delighted with them, and uh, look forward to working with you uh, as we continue on there. But you, you, you clearly are able to encourage people, and if you can encourage right. people, you can lead people. And I think a lot of people, as baby boomers are aging now, um, yeah. you know, there's a lot, they have high high expectations, and I think they're going to need uh, people like yourself who can uh, show them not only the value of using their time well, or, or uh, you know making sure their body is serving their mind and uh, financial uh-huh. planning, but who also uh, understand that the cross is central uh, to what we need in order to live well.
4: And I think that's, that is a critical piece of this, and that demographic you're speaking of, if if you expand it on a little bit to late Gen Xers and yeah. then baby boomers, you've yeah. got 110 million people in America, Al. This is a third of the population,
0: Yeah,
4: and to be fair... Well, my kids all think that, you know, they they joke with me now because they're all millennials. Dad, we've just surpassed you, you know, you and the boomers. There are more of us now. (laughs) And I said, yeah, that's really funny, but we own everything. And so, you know, the difference difference is, and I just met with a guy who happens to be, he's not my financial planner, but he's a delightful guy. We had lunch today. And he said to me, you know, this generational transfer of, wealth 40 to 50 trillion dollars is going to move from the boomers, like 60 plus, to the next generation. And so there's that kind of thinking for planning what to do with your money. That's part of if you have angst about that, you're probably off kilter. There's your physical health. There's your spiritual health. I think it's all interconnected, and I just, uh, I I would pray that, you know, from your words to God's, uh, your lips to God's ears, that, you know, I can somehow be an encourager, because that's really what I'm hoping to do, is to just, like, come on, let's go, we can do it.
2: Well, I love the way it ties back into your story, you know, going way back, uh, your interest in medicine early on. There's just a a certain beautiful uh, symmetry to that, and so uh, I'm really anxious to see how god's going to continue to use you, chuck uh, as you go along um tell me a little bit about uh where you're worshiping now and to what you're interested in in terms of the catholic yeah. community
4: well we we had moved over the summer to novi and so we have been attending a holy family oh, yeah. parish yeah, yeah was, very good uh, yeah, on the east side of novi father bob mccroy and deacon bob and Wonderful, and, uh, wonderful guy. Oh, oh my gosh! Just uh, there is. I, I heard this. I heard this from. I, I have to tell you, just honestly, I heard it from Father John. I heard it, from Father John Ricardo. I heard it from others saying there's something special about this parish.
0: Yeah.
4: And I think there truly is. And uh, so we've been attending there. You know, Susan is not back into the Catholic or in the Catholic faith. Mm-hmm. This, this would be a different part of the journey. So she's sure. very supportive. So but she's attending mass, she attended all the masses on the cruise, she attends mass, she has high regard for the Catholic faith, and much like many of the people who you would know, including, you know, the Hans, and I mean, you know, we can name all kinds of names of people who are in your building, you know, on a regular basis, who you would say, well, one spouse came first, and then another one, you just came in and followed or something. So I I pray about that, but uh, what a beautiful parish, and what high regard for what they have. So I'm anxious to get back to when the weather breaks here and and be able to serve there in some way and you know what's so great about this season of life and i encourage people who are in this 60 plus and i guess we can call ourselves baby boomers because goodness knows we don't want to be called seniors don't you dare call us <laughs> we don't like it. Uh, but you know maybe you can get a discount on a coffee at mcdonald's but don't call me a senior um i'm, I'm really anxious to get to uh, to helping out at the parish level and to see what god has planned mm-hmm. and, and I'm, I'm excited that that's the kind of parish that's doing those kinds of things mm-hmm. and i think that for our senior ministry there's a there's a lot there we used to think that was like the buses pull up and we all go to frankenmuth for chicken dinner <laughs> i'm already yawning so yeah. um, i think this is more about vibrant aging and you know bike riding and and staying active and The real key that I learned by going through the Mayo Clinic program is all of us, Al, you and me and our wives, everybody, we're trying to get a good lifespan. We're hoping, you know, for all the obvious reasons, we see pictures of our kids and grandkids. We want a long lifespan. But the real key now is to get your health span to increase along the way. So they're almost equal so that you don't have 10 bad years at the end. You don't, you know, I just... I think I maybe mentioned this to you, um, a role model that I kept looking at was Betty White. I don't know that how bad things were at the end, but it sure seemed like she got right up to 99.
0: <laughs> she the was lifespan still...
4: and the health span sure seemed like they were about equal, and that's the goal for all of us, to not have a bad, crummy last half or quarter, you know. Yeah. Chuck, how do people stay
2: in touch with you?
4: Uh, you can go through my website and email me. It's just chuck uh, chuckgatica dot com. Okay, and I'd be happy to answer right there.
2: Okay, we'll talk soon. Thanks so much for being with me today.
4: God bless, Al. Thank you, <laughs> Chuck Gatica.
2: And again, chuckgatica.com. We'll have it linked, of course, uh, at the Abimaria Radio dot net site, and also his pro his uh, features, uh, Journey Strong, are there as well. Just want to listen to those?
1: Ave Maria Radio invites you to feast on the joy of fasting this Lenten season and all year long. Fast from idle gossip. Feast on purposeful silence. Fast from words that pollute. Feast on words that purify. Fast from discontent. Feast on gratitude. Fasting is a part of true Christian life. It liberates us from this world as we grow closer to Christ. I'm angry, frustrated,
7: sound like you, someone you know. Well, it could be any of us from time to time, but there's different types of anger. It's not so cut and dry. Hi, everybody. I'm Dr. Ray. One thing is for sure, you don't need to suffer with anger, frustration. In my book, Living Calm, Mastering Anger and Frustration, you'll learn whether your anger is a product of your nature or your nurture and how to regulate those emotions and those thoughts. You can get Living Calm and all my other books at
3: AveMariaRadio.net. On the next Epiphany.
5: Hi, Vanessa Denha Garmo here. Susan Tassoni back on Epiphany talking about her book, The Way of the Cross for the Holy Souls in Purgatory. Dick and Irene Reinbold tell us about an upcoming Retro Vi event. And Kristen Olmedo will let us know about the upcoming exceptional Easter party.
3: Epiphany, weekdays at noon on Ave Maria Radio. Are you woke or are you
2: awake? Renewal Ministries and Ave Maria Radio invite you to spend an evening with Noelle Mering for her presentation, Awake, Not Woke. Noelle will look at the pseudo-religious as well as the political character of the woke movement. It's Tuesday, March 7th from 7 to 9, 30 p.m. at Father Gabriel Richard High School in Ann Arbor. You can register for free in the slider at AveMariaRadio.net. Again, that's at AveMariaRadio.net. Good afternoon, I'm Al Cresta. Thanks for being with me, and uh, let me encourage you too to check out uh, Chuck's feature, "Journey Strong." If you go to AbemirioRadio.net website. Uh, Right on the home page there, if you look in the upper right-hand corner, you'll see Chuck's face and tap it, and it'll take you right to the Journey Strong uh, page where we've got his programs and uh, his messages that you can listen to. Uh, Also, resources are there. Learn more about what Chuck is doing now. and uh, So head on over there, AveMariaRadio.net, and look in the upper right-hand corner and uh, take a look at what we've got and what Chuck's doing with the Journey Strong uh, feature. All the other topics that we dealt with on today's program, of course, you know, have follow-up information available at AveMariaRadio.net. If you go to the Krista guest archives, whether we're talking about Nicaragua, or we're talking about George Washington, or we're talking about being in Christ, or we're talking about Journey Strong, all there in the guest archives. Thank you.
1: Cresta in the Afternoon is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. To follow up on any of the guests or information presented on today's program, visit the Cresta Guest Archive at avemariaradio.net. That's A-V-E-M-A-R-I-A radio.net. To listen to this or any other edition of Cresta in the Afternoon, visit the audio archives at AveMariaRadio.net. Or to order a CD of the program, call 734-930-4506 or email orders at AveMariaRadio.net. That's 734-930-4506 or orders at AveMariaRadio.net. You're listening to Ave Maria Radio. Ave Maria
7: Radio.
5: Four in five college students said they are concerned for their safety while on campus. Did you know once your child turns 18, you're no longer legally recognized by hospitals to make critical care decisions? Without the proper protective documents, you may even be denied access to your child's information. With My Life Angels, you'll be instantly alerted if they enter an ER with everything you need to ensure they get life affirming care. MyLifeAngels.com. Use Aave 20 and get 20% off your subscription.
7: Weekdays at 10 a.m., there's more to life.
6: A happier, healthier you. Would you like to be happier? Well, who wouldn't? We'll help you clear the obstacles that are coming between you and a more joyful life.
7: Weekdays at 10 a.m. on Ave Maria Radio.
4: This is Life News Radio. I'm Jim Anderson, a TV actress who happens to be pro-life, recently suffered a tragic miscarriage. Unsurprisingly, she received gynecological care. What is surprising is that some say this means Jessica Duggar Seawald had an abortion. Parade magazine, abortion activists, and others are learning, albeit reluctantly, that abortion entails a deliberate assault against life. Care after miscarriage is different. Pro-life advocates are celebrating
6: 250 days since the end of Roe in the Supreme Court Dobbs decision. Meanwhile, desperate to
1: find a shortcut to unlimited abortion, abortion-friendly Senate Democrats are again trying to resurrect the 1970s Equal Rights Amendment. This is Life News Radio with Maryland Democrats seeking new abortion-friendly. Law-